Okay, let's pray together. And I want to dig into Hebrews. Lord, thank you for all these things that have been shared and the ways you're working. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for prayer in our home groups. Thank you for speaking through spiritual gifts here on Sunday mornings. Thank you for people praying for friends. Thank you for children praying for people here in the church. We love what you're doing, Lord. And I just pray for your help now as I, as I preach. I pray for wisdom. And I pray for the right heart. And thank you for the power of your word. I pray that every one of us here would be strengthened in trusting Jesus Christ and, and seeing new dimensions of what you do as we trust Jesus Christ. So come and do that now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. So as I was thinking about this morning's topic, um, it struck me that the Christian life uh, is really, it's not very complicated. It's pretty simple. It's not easy, okay? The Christian life is not easy, but it's not hard because it's complicated. It's not complicated. I mean, the, the Bible teaches that the whole Christian life is about faith in Jesus Christ. You trusting Jesus, trusting all that God promises to be to you in Jesus. That's the whole Christian life. And that everything else that we are called to be and do, the Bible teaches, comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Everything. So, for example, we're called to obey God. And Paul in Romans 1.5 says that obedience comes from faith. And we're called to be at peace, not to worry. And uh, Isaiah 26.3 says that peace comes from faith. We're called to have joy, even in the midst of trials. And uh, Philippians 1.25, Paul says that joy comes from faith. We're called to love other people. Galatians 5.6 says that love comes from, are you listening? Faith. Okay, right. Uh, we, we read in Ephesians 6 that every day there's flaming darts from the evil one being fired against us. And what is it? What's the shield that extinguishes every flaming dart of the evil one? The shield of Faith, Ephesians 6, 16. 1 John 5 says that we're constantly being pulled by the world away from Christ. There's the pull of the world towards sin. And John says that what overcomes the world is our faith. So everything we need to be and do as followers of Jesus comes from faith. The whole Christian life is trusting all that God promises to be to us in Christ. So... That raises a big question, though, and the question is, okay, so what is faith, and how does faith really work to accomplish and to produce those things? And those two questions are both answered in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the faith chapter. I'm so excited that we're digging into Hebrews chapter 11. So let's turn there together. Hebrews 11, it's on page, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, we'll bring one to you. Hebrews 11 is on page 1007 of the Bibles we're passing out. Go ahead and turn there. Now, before we look at these verses, though, I want to give you the big picture of where we've been coming. What's, what's the author's flow of thought? What's he been saying? And it, if you start in chapter 5, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and the first half of chapter 10, he's given us some amazing news, the best news in the world. That even though we've sinned and we face God's judgment, in great mercy, God sent his own son, Jesus, fully man and fully God. And he, because of what he did with his life, death, and resurrection, he is the perfect priest. 
to represent you before God with the perfect sacrifice that pays for all of your sins. So this is the best news in the world for men and women, young people like us who have sinned against God and rightly face his judgment forever in great love for us, great mercy, great compassion upon us. God sent Jesus, who is the perfect priest, to represent us before God with the perfect sacrifice. So everything is good between us and God when we're trusting Jesus. So that's chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and the first half of chapter 10. Then, in chapter 10, verses 19 through 39, the whole second half of chapter 10, he gives us four commands. Okay, These are all in your notes there. First, draw near to God. You can know the living God, fellowship with him, commune with him. So draw near to God. Secondly, hold fast to God's promises. Keep clinging to God's promises. Satan's going to want to pull your hands away. No, 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 no. Hold on to those promises. Third, encourage each other. So none of us in our home groups, in our families, in our church community here, none of us drifts away from faith in Christ and moves into ongoing, deliberate sin, which would be catastrophic, we saw in the second half of chapter 10. So encourage each other. Don't neglect meeting. Home group, here Sunday mornings, other times during the week. Be together. Be a body. Every day encouraging each other. And the fourth command, stir up your faith in him. Don't let your faith weaken. Stir up your faith in him as your better possession than anything else in the universe and as your abiding, your lasting possession. And that brings us to Hebrews chapter 11, what's called the faith chapter. And what happens in this chapter is the author wants to encourage us to stir up our faith in God, and he does that by describing Old Testament saints, men and women in the Old Testament who had faith in God and what that looked like and what God did in faithfulness to them. So chapter 11, he gives us this long list. We're going to be going through them. I'm not sure how long it's going to take us, uh, but we're going to be looking at these Old Testament men and women who had faith in God, what it, what it meant, what their life circumstances were, the difficulties they faced, and what God did for them. But now before he describes these Old Testament saints, he first wants to make sure we are really clear on what faith is and how faith works. And so that's the first two verses. We're looking at two verses today, okay? This has been powerful for me to reflect on and think about. So here's the first question. What is faith? And look at what the author says in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I think this is one of the best-known verses in the Bible. I think most people have heard this verse at different times. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things that are, are not seen. So, so faith has to do with things we are hoping in but not seeing. What are those things? That we're hoping it but not seeing. We've got to take it from the context of the passage. Go back to chapter 10, verse 34. It all has to do with God as our better possession and our lasting abiding possession. God and all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. We're hoping in that for the future, like for the next hour and for 100 years from now in heaven. And we're, we're 
not seeing that. It's future. It's still future. So that's what we're hoping in and not seeing yet all that God promises to be to us in Christ Jesus. God is our better possession. God is our lasting possession. That's the things we're hoping in and not seeing, taking it into the context of chapter 10. And so what is faith then? A lot of people take this verse to mean that faith just simply means having assurance and having heart conviction that all these things are going to come true. It's having assurance and having heart conviction that all of God's promises will happen. A lot of people take this verse to mean that. Just simply you and your heart having assurance and heart conviction, God's going to keep his promises. And that may be exactly what this verse means. It might be. Okay? And, and what I just said is true. Faith is that. Faith is having assurance and a heart conviction that God's going to keep all of his promises. That is faith. That may be what this verse is saying. That's taught in many other verses. But as I studied this, and as I've studied this over the years, I think this verse is saying that and more. Saying something more, which I hope to persuade you about this morning. Saying something more than that. It's not saying less than that, but it's saying something even more. So let's start with that first phrase. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. How? How is faith the assurance of things hoped for? What does that really mean? Now, the word assurance is an unusual word in the, in the Greek New Testament. It usually means the substance of something, the reality of something. That's why the King James Version translates this. You've, you've all probably heard this. Faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. It's not a bad translation. There's reasons why they translated it that way. But that sounds strange, doesn't it? I mean, how is faith, my faith right now in God's promises, how, is, how does faith give me the substance of what I'm hoping for off in the future? How is faith the substance, the reality of what I'm hoping in? It sounds like here I am now, here you are now, we're hoping in God as being our better possession and our abiding one, so we're, look, we're, we're hoping in God, and that somehow faith brings me some of the very substance of God into the present, brings me some of the very reality of God here into my life and heart right now. So that would mean, if it's true, that faith isn't just believing that I'm going to experience God someday. What this means is that as I'm trusting God's promise, that faith is going to bring me an actual taste now of the presence of God, of the substance of God, of the reality of God. Let me try this illustration out on you. Let's say that you're in Death Valley. Very hot day. Okay? You're walking. I don't know why you're doing that in Death Valley, but that's where you are, okay? And uh, you're out of water. You have no water. I don't know why you did that either, but you did. Okay, so there you are, Death Valley, blazing hot, no water, and you come up to a sign. And it says, ice cold water, one mile, pointing ahead. And you think, oh, I'm, I'm hoping in that, right? I'm not, I'm not seeing it, but I'm hoping in that. And then you look down, and beneath the sign, there's a box. And the box has the word on it, faith. It says, faith. The substance of things hoped for. Okay, so you, you, you open that box, and inside that box, there's a bottle of ice-cold water. 
And, and, and the instructions say, this is just a small part of the ice cold water that will be yours in one mile. And so you drink that ice cold water. Oh, it's so good. Save Hun family, let's go. This is going to be awesome. That's what I think the author is saying here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, yes, but how does it give you the assurance? How does faith give you the assurance that water's coming, lots of water? How does it give you that assurance? It's because there will be times as you're trusting in Jesus Christ when God will actually give you a drink of his substance, a a, a drink of his living water so that you know By experience, God is going to be there. He is real. He is awesome. He's beautiful. I love God. That's how faith gives you the assurance of things hoped for. It's by bringing to you from time to time the substance of what you're hoping for, namely God himself. Now, if that raises some questions, just jot them down, because I'm hoping we can raise some questions here in a moment. But before we do that, let's look at the next phrase. How is faith the conviction of things not seen? Now, that word convictions is also an unusual word. It's usually translated proof or evidence. Remember how the King James Version translates this verse? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And that sounds pretty strange, doesn't it? God is there and eternity is my better possession. And as I have faith in that promise now, faith is going to bring me the evidence. I'm not seeing God now. Faith is the evidence of things I'm not seeing. God's out there. I'm not seeing him. But as I trust him now, faith is going to bring me the evidence of the God that I'm not seeing. How does that work? I found the answer in verse 2. I've puzzled over verse 2. Why that word for is at the beginning of verse 2? Let me try this out on you and see what you think. Verse 2 begins with the word for. So verse 2 is giving a reason for how faith gives you evidence that God is really there. How does faith give you evidence that the unseen God will be there and will be all satisfying? It's for or because by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Faith is the evidence of things not seen for because by faith the people of old received their commendation. You've got to take these two verses together. Now that word commendation, as we read the rest of Hebrews 11, you'll see what that means. It means God coming to someone and commending them that they are pleasing to him. By faith alone, through Christ alone. It's God coming to someone and commending them that they are pleasing to him through faith in Christ. They are clothed in his perfect righteousness or if you're Old Testament by faith in in God's mercy, which would be taking place through the coming Messiah. So the way God commended these men and women of old was by coming to them and letting them know that they were pleasing to him, that they were clothed in his righteousness. And so here's what this means. There's times when you are putting your trust in Jesus Christ, when God will come to you and personally assure you that you're saved, that you're pleasing to him through what Christ has done, that you're clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. 
Romans 8 says the spirit from time to time bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Romans 5 talks about how God from time to time will pour his very love into our hearts. So we don't just believe that God is loving, but we feel his very love. And all that is he's commending us that we are pleasing to him through grace, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And when God does that, we have evidence of the unseen God. This is awesome. God, you're real. You're here. Thank you. That's what faith does. So faith is the conviction of things not seen. That's a good translation. But understand how it's the conviction of things not seen. It's because faith gives us evidence of things not seen. Because by faith, you'll have times where God, you'll receive commendation from God. Personal commendation, pouring his love into our hearts. Okay, so we're asking the big question, what is faith? What is faith? And it is true, faith means being assured, having assurance, having conviction that all of God's promises are true. Yes, it's absolutely true. But I think this verse is saying more. This verse is saying that faith is is the substance of those things you're hoping in because there will be times when God works in your heart, pours out his spirit upon you, give you a taste of his very substance and his reality so that you know because he's here. That's how faith gives you the substance of things hoped for. And then faith is the, is the evidence of things not seen because there will be times when God pours his spirit out upon you, pours his love into your heart, and you know he's personally giving you assurance that you're saved, you're in, you're, you're his, and you've tasted that. That's evidence. You know the unseen God is real. So that's what I think this verse is, is saying. Now, I would guess that for some of you, that's like a brand new thought and you're really not persuaded yet. Okay. Words and fors and becauses. And, uh, and again, what we are most interested here isn't that you agree with, who, with whoever's up front preaching. That's not the most important question. We, we don't mind that. That's not the most important question. What is the most important question? That you study God's word for yourself that you think about Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, until you see it there. And you may not see it there yet, and that's okay. Okay, but let me just give you some encouragement. Whenever I I have a thought that I think, man, I I don't know, is that really true? I'm seeing that, but is that right? I pull out some of my, uh, like I I go to some some of the old-time Bible commentators from from years ago, just to see, is anybody else saying this? And uh, they are. Not all of them, okay, but three of them did. Okay, heavyweights, John Owen, okay, who's John Owen? There's John Owen, okay, John Owen was a pastor in England in the 1600s whose books are still being printed, still being read today, he's an amazing, amazing man of God, now he's not our authority, I just want to show you that I'm not alone here, okay, I'm not all by myself, all right, me and John Owen, all right, here's what he said about these same verses, Faith gives those things hoped for a real subsistence. He's he's thinking about that word substance. It gives things hoped for a real subsistence in the minds and the souls of them that do believe. So faith isn't just, I believe that that's going to happen out there in the future. Sometimes God will work through that faith to give me now a real 
It'll, it'll, it'll take being with God forever and it'll make it real in a, subsist, in a substantial way now. See how he's saying that? Faith gives those things hoped for a real subsistence now in the minds and the souls of them that do believe. Okay, then I looked at Matthew Henry. Anybody know and love Matthew Henry? His commentary on the Bible written in 1700, still being published today, very helpful. Here's what he says about these same verses. This is very powerful. He says, faith gives the soul a kind of possession of those things God has promised. Think about it. God's promised he's going to be your all-satisfying treasure. He's going to be there for you. Those are things that are promised. They're hoped for. They're still not seen. But faith gives the soul a kind of possession of those things that are promised. A possession now of those things that are promised for the future. It gives them a subsistence in the soul. Again, he's trying to wrestle with that word substance. By the first fruits and foretastes of them. So we actually have foretastes of the banquet that will be ours. We have tastes now of the banquet that will be ours by faith. Faith gives us foretastes of those things we're hoping in. So that believers in the exercise of faith are filled. That is, as we exercise faith, we are filled with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And he's quoting 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 there. So you see, he's saying the same thing that I am. Are you seeing that? Now, one more. John Piper. I love John Piper known him for since he was my junior high Sunday school teacher. Okay, my claim to fame. But listen to what he says when he was preaching on these verses. So helpful. Faith does not just feel confident that God's presence is coming someday. It, it does do that, but it's not just that. Faith has spiritually laid hold of and perceived and tasted that it's real. See that? Laid hold of, perceived, sensed, and tasted that God's presence is real. Now, faith's enjoyment of the promise is a kind of substantial down payment of the reality coming. So God in your presence, I'm going to be there forever. You are my better possession. You're my lasting possession. You are so satisfying. I can just lose everything here because I'm going to get you. I'm secure. I'm set. How do I know that, though? There will be times now when God gives you a substantial down payment to that so that you feel it and know it now. Substance. Evidence. Do you see that? John Owen, Matthew Henry, John Piper. And again, these guys aren't our authorities. I just want to show you that I'm not all alone here, all right? And the next question I asked was, are there other places in Hebrews where he says that, that we could actually have a firsthand experience of God himself by faith? Are there other places where he talks about that? And I found two of them. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, just from the last chapter. Remember this? We just talked about this a few weeks ago. Hebrews 10, 19. This is a shocking verse if you really see what he is saying. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Know what the holy places are? In the Old Testament temple, there was a place called the holy places, the holy of holies. 
Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. That was where God dwelt with his glory. His manifest presence was there in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go. God was there. And we can have confidence, Hebrews 10, 18, 19, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So there will be times when we, as we're putting our trust in Jesus Christ, as we're trusting God's promises, as we're fighting the fight of faith, there will be times where we sense God's very glorious presence. And it'll be substance. Faith is the substance of what I'm hoping for. Yes. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Yes. Look also at Hebrews 6, 19. It says basically the same thing in in different words, but I want you to see this is a theme in Hebrews. Hebrews 6.19 We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope, which is the same as faith, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Remember when Jesus died, the curtain was torn in two? That was the curtain separating everyone from the Holy of Holies. And through Jesus' death, we can enter into the inner place behind the curtain. When we have hope, when we're trusting in God's promises, we can't see, okay, hoping in them, future, we can at times experiencing entering into the inner place behind the curtain and and actually experiencing God's very presence. So I'm just trying to give you some background here so that, okay, just kind of let this simmer, let this percolate, whatever metaphor you want to use. Let me give you one other help. that I remembered a quote from David Brainerd. Uh, David Brainerd, one of my heroes, he was a a missionary to the American Indians. because of his labors and, and the hardship and the terrible diet and the and the, uh, the 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 freezing cold in the winter, he ended up uh, coming down with tuber- tuberculosis and dying in his late twenties. But he kept a journal through all these years. Never intended it to be published, but he kept a journal of his own heart experiences with God through Jesus. And listen to what he experienced Sunday evening, August fifteenth, seventeen forty-two. This is very powerful. Lord's Day, August 15th, felt much comfort and devotedness to God this day. At night, it was refreshing to get alone with God and pour out my soul. Oh, who can conceive of the sweetness of communion with the blessed God, but those who have experience of it? Glory to God forever, I get this next line, that I may taste heaven below. So see, he's experiencing communion with the living God by faith. And God is meeting him powerfully that Sunday night. He's having one of these times where faith is giving him the substance of what he's hoping for, giving him evidence of what he can't see because he's communing with the living God. He's actually tasting heaven here below. Heaven's in the future. We can't see it. We hope in it. But we will have times now by faith in Jesus Christ where you will taste heaven below. That's what faith in Jesus Christ can bring to you. Faith is the 
substance of things you're hoping for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is huge. So, that's my my attempt to persuade you that this is what is being taught in, in Hebrews chapter 11. I don't think this is teaching only that faith is having a an assurance and a heart conviction that all of God's promises are true. That is faith. Crucial part of faith. If that's not there, you don't have faith. But this verse, I think, is saying more. I think this verse is saying that there will be times when as we fight the fight of faith, as we say, God, I believe, help my unbelief, as we open up God's word and pray over the scriptures and say, strengthen my faith, help me to see more clearly who you are, help me to trust you more, there will be times as we're seeking God's face when he, by the Spirit, will give us the substance of those promises we're hoping in. We will taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll pour his very love into our hearts, commending us that through Christ, by his mercy alone, we are pleasing to him. And that'll be evidence of the things that we're not seeing. Okay, now, all your questions. You you raised the best questions, Josie. I love it. Okay, so um, I'm glad my argument still stands. Uh, so let me clarify, because I, I, I wasn't clear. Um, I'm, I'm basing my argument not on the English word assurance or the English word conviction, but the Greek word behind both of those words, okay, um, which, is, which are, are unusual words. And they do mean that they can mean assurance, but they also mean and usually mean substance and reality, the assurance word. And the word behind conviction usually is translated proof or evidence, Okay, so it's, it's thank you for clarifying this. So it's the Greek words behind those that I'm pondering, trying to figure out. Okay, excellent. But I'm glad it stands either way. So good. Other questions? It's a very important question because sometimes I hesitate to bring stuff up from the Greek because I don't ever want anybody to think, nor should anybody ever think, well, I can't really study the Bible because I don't know Greek. It's totally wrong. And this is one of those rare cases where what I'm saying isn't obviously clear from the Greek words in the ESV or the NAS. They both translate them, I think, the same way. If I'm, anybody have an NAS to check that out? I'm pretty sure I thought I checked that this week. So I would encourage you to keep having utmost confidence in the ESV or the NAS and just keep coming Sunday mornings. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Anybody else have an answer to that? Yeah, like Matthew Henry commentary, that, that's on that's on online as well. John Owen's commentary on Hebrews is online as well. So these guys are all free online. You can check that out. Yeah. So, but again, you should not have any less confidence in the English versions here. Okay, that's enough questions for now. If you have more, you can email me or or, or talk to your home group leader. He'll answer all of them. Um, <laughs> let me let me give you two. Just, uh, just praying, saying, Lord, so where do we go with this? And, and here's two closing applications. One is this. If you're here this morning and you're not yet trusting Jesus Christ, uh, I hope you're intrigued. Uh, if, you, if you've not yet turned away from the other things you've been trusting in the past for your heart satisfaction, if you haven't really trusted Jesus and, and seen him as your Lord and your Savior and your treasure, then I want to encourage you this morning, right now, to turn to trust him. Um, you desperately need him as your perfect priest with a perfect sacrifice. 
you and me, like all of us here, we've sinned against God. And you do not want to stand before a just and holy God without having had your sins be forgiven. You do not want to do that. He's loving, slow to anger. He sent his own son. He punished his own son for our sins. Don't think he's not loving. But if you reject what he's done, then you do not want to stand before him without your sins being forgiven. And they can be forgiven. Completely, completely forgiven. So please, I just want to urge you, put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, as your treasure. And as you do that, you will have times when you will taste heaven here below. You will. So do that. I plead with you. Some of you probably aren't trusting Jesus yet, and we're glad you're here, but you need to trust him. Please, please, please trust him. We love you. We're glad you're here. We're for you. This is what it's all about. This is, I was talking to a friend yesterday morning. We were walking, a friend who's not yet trusting Jesus. I just said, look, 50 years from now, you and I are both going to be standing before God, and everything is going to depend on what you do with Jesus Christ. Trust him. Please trust him. I want to see you saved and forgiven. And he's, he's not there yet, but that's what I want to say to you. Trust him. He loves you. He cares about you. Oh, there's no reason not. You don't need to become good enough first. You just come to him as you are. Say, help me. Trust. I trust you. He will forgive you. He will start to change you. He will fill you. So trust Jesus Christ. And then secondly, to those of us who are trusting him, I want to encourage you every day, take time to nurture your faith in Jesus Christ. Every day, take time to to do that. I mean, think about it. Faith will bring you the substance of the things you're hoping for. It'll bring you evidence of the things you're not seeing. Don't you want that? See, I hope this just like enlarges like, wow, what faith can do. This is much bigger than I thought it was. That's why I wanted to emphasize that this morning. Are, are you experiencing faith as the substance and as the evidence? You need more of that. I need more of that. God wants to give you more of that. God will give you more of that. As you spend time with him in prayer, in the scriptures, pouring out your soul before him, fighting the fight of faith, thinking deeply about the truth of who Jesus is in the word. As you do that, he will meet you in ways that are substantial and ways that are evidential. He will do that. So don't let your time with God be some kind of a religious duty that you just do. Ooh, that's awful. It's awful. We're not into that. That's, that's the farthest thing from what God has in mind. Let it be meaningful and functional and faith building where you're coming before him and meeting him. And if you, if you aren't sure how to do that, talk to your home group leader. They'll be able to give you some encouragement in, in terms of how, how to do that. But see, think about it. Faith can bring you the substance of the God we are hoping in. It can, it can make him substantially real to you, evidentially real to you. Faith can do that. So take time every day to nurture your faith, to strengthen your faith, to deepen your faith. That's what God will do. So please, Mercy Hill Church, nurture your faith in Jesus Christ every day with prayer and meditation on the scriptures. Okay, let's pray together. Go ahead and stand. Oh, Lord, this is an amazing passage. 
I pray, Lord, for those who still aren't maybe convinced this is what this verse is saying. I pray that you just would help them and comfort them and that they could keep processing this. Lord, we know what I'm saying this morning is taught in other passages, even if it's not taught in this one. And thank you for how your word so powerfully teaches these things. But especially, Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who's not yet trusting Jesus Christ, that now, Lord, they would please, please draw them to yourself, break down the barriers, show them your love, your welcome to them through Christ that can be theirs and save them, I pray right now. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are trusting you, that we would be renewed in our commitment to nurturing our faith every day, to meeting you every day in the word and in prayer. So do that upon us, I pray, Lord, for the glory of your name. Amen.